And I, I think one thing that's interesting about Bates Motel, which we might have glossed over, is the, the town itself is a character because the previous psychos, you're looking at an evil character hiding in an idyllic lifestyle or an idyllic town. But this is more of the town is corrupt as well. Hello, welcome to another episode of Geek Sweat. Uh, this week it's um, me presenting a review sweat. Um, the review set we'll be doing is on the. Uh, wow, well, yes, it's a series that's finished now, but it's just been released on the iPlayer. So we thought we'd have a look at season one uh, Bates Motel, uh, the uh, prequel to Psycho. Uh, joining me are uh, Trevor. Hi Trevor. Buongiorno. Oh, French Trevor today. That's going to be difficult because I don't speak French. Oh, Italian even. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. speak the languages, that's why I was confused. Neither do I, so it'll be a short conversation. We'll be back um, about Brexit English language. Anyway, this, and, and uh, Dominic. Dominic's here as well. Hello, Dom. Ciao. Hi. Hi, man. Oh, you're, oh, you're doing... They're both Italian, though. Yeah, buongiorno is good morning and ciao is like hi. Hi or bye. Oh, they have more words for things like we do. Yeah, they're <laughs> just like us, really. If only people knew that before Brexit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had no idea. I really, I've never really talked to a European before. Anyway, uh, yeah. From so today, it's like you won't be talking to a European in, over the next fifty months. <laughs> anyway, so today we're going to look at Bates for Town. I'm going to start off with a brief history of Norman Bates. Uh, Norman Bates first um, first appeared in Robert Bloch's uh, 1959 novel Psycho. Uh, Psycho. Um, in that, he's he's a late forties, uh, late forties-ish um, kind of plump, short, quite homely. And then, of course, famously, uh, Alfred Hitchcock took that book and decided to buy most of the copies so that no one could know what his film was going to be about. And um, his film, of course, was Psycho, which is maybe, maybe my favourite film ever. Maybe. Anyway, which introduced us to uh, Norman Bates. Um, he then appeared in... Norman Bates, obviously, is a serial killer um, who uh, takes on the um, the guise of his mother when he's killing people. He's kind of got a split personality. Um, he goes on to uh, Psycho 2, Psycho 3, Psycho 4, in which he gets a sort of redemption, ends up happily married with a kid on the way so that's that's really nice isn't it nice nice ending for norman uh, i wish all serial killers good to know good to know it all works out okay for him <laughs> yeah i wish all serial killers had that sort of happy ending anyway and then uh after psycho 4 there was uh, there was a one tv special called bates motel but he's not really the main character he's a, he's uh he's imprisoned in that and he actually signs off bates motel to his cellmate and he becomes the new kind of uh, serial killer working yeah. out of base with towel. That's not very good. And yeah. then, I mean, the problem with that is who would stay there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we, we've got a new serial killer who's operating the motel now. Not the not the old serial <laughs> killer. We've got a new one. Yeah, with brand new, fresh blades to cut your throat with. It's kind of like the same problem as like who would go and visit Jurassic Park after their terrible safety record. <laughs> <laughs> 
And finally, we have we had the uh, late nineties Gus Van Sant remake of Psycho Stein Vince Vaughn, and me saying that it's just made me realise that I didn't even mention Anthony Perkins. Yeah, Anthony Perkins, of course, played Norman Bates in the four um, the four uh, the um, main films of the franchise, uh, and he's brilliant. Um, uh, Anthony Perkins is one of my favourite actors. Very understated performances. Very very good in Psycho. Um, but and, and then of course the remake, the remake starred Vince Vaughn. Didn't quite get um, uh, Anthony Perkins um, and Anthony Perkins vibe from him, but it was you know or an anything vibe. He didn't have to be Anthony Perkins. He had to be the character, and yeah, he didn't play the character at all convincingly. I don't know what yeah, he was doing. Thing, Gus Van Sant has said that he did it because he thought that. Modern audiences would want to see it, but they'd probably not watch it in black and white. So he thought he'd just do a reproduction in colour, which seems like an odd thing to do. But okay, it's not one of the hardest black and white films to watch. I mean, it does go along at quite a pace, and uh, so that it does seem an odd choice. But um, anyway, that's the that's a brief history of Norman Bates. There, I want to say something about Vince Vaughn's. Um... Uh, Psycho. I think Vince Vaughn actually got the opportunity because he was his star was rising. Because I think he had just done um, uh, he had some collaborations with I want to say what the big fat guys, but um, I, I think he played it too macho. Uh, I think he played it like a almost like a college jock or bully rather than an actual psychopath. And I think he is there's too much machismo and not enough. Nuance. I think that's probably why it went wrong. Okay, so now we move on to what we're going to talk about, and that is Bates Motel, which lasted for five seasons and tells the story of Norman. Before, but it doesn't. It doesn't tell the story of Norman before Psycho because they've. And to be fair, this happens in the original film series: is that there are contradictions. Like, for example, in the second movie, it turns out that his mother isn't his mother; it's another character. But then in the third movie, they they decide that's a bit silly. So um, his mother becomes his mother again. And um, but anyway, so it's not set in California like Psycho is. Um, they've moved it to um, to Washington. It's Washington State, isn't it? Or yeah, yeah. It's um. I, I felt it was um. It's probably because I was watching it recently. I thought it was Maine for some reason. M-A-I-T. Oh no, no, it's up north, north, uh, northwest, isn't it? Are you no. thinking of Castle Rock? Because um, Castle Rock, which is the um, TV series set in the world of Stephen King novels, yeah. is set in Maine. Yeah, I think um, I think there's a place called White no White Pine Bay in Oregon, as opposed to Fairvale, California. So that's the new setting for the 2000. Yeah, I mean, I believe the reason that they chose Oregon is they wanted this background story about growing marijuana and whether you think that was a useful addition to the world of the TV series or not, that's another debate. But I think that was the motivation behind the change. Okay, yeah. Okay then, so I'm going to stop talking for a bit now and I'm going to ask, firstly, let's do alphabetical order. Dominic, did you enjoy season one of Bates Motel? And when you you watched it, I mean, what were you expecting when you when you uh when you started to watch it and did you get what you expected okay so i came to it um pretty fresh um didn't know that much about it beforehand apart from the fact it was a prequel to psycho 
But then, bizarrely, it's a prequel to Psycho set in the present day, which threw me a bit. Because yes. I was like, hang on, why are they in the present day? Or what time period are they in? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a, they, they, they changed it. They make it a modern day. Um, so uh, it's, it's bizarre because it's both a prequel and set in the, second, um, in the present day, which takes a little bit of getting used to. But I think best if you stop thinking of it as a prequel to Psycho and just as another version of Norman Bates' story, I think that is more helpful because there's so many things that obviously uh, are contradicted by Psycho and later films. They might just be it, like like um, like Sherlock, like the um, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gates version of Sherlock. It kind of takes the the spirit of the original and then kind of transplants it to the modern day. Once you accept that, I think um, Freddie Highmore is a pretty good embodiment of the character. He is reminiscent of Anthony Perkins in some ways, but he takes it in his own direction as well. And, um, and- I think. Vera Farmiga is really good at his mother. It's quite a formidable performance. I we'll mean, it, it, it takes a little bit of getting used to as well to have a mother in her 40s, because I always imagined his mother was ancient, but then it adds to the kind of creepy Freudian thing that's going on. Yes, it's interesting with her mother, because with his mother, I mean, because obviously in the, in the original, she's just a desiccated corpse. And because you hear her voiceover, where that is Norman's voiceover, get this impression of kind of a uh, kind of oldish kind of shrewy type woman kind of, but then in actual, actually in Psycho 4, um, you actually meet his mother and, and she's actually quite young and sexy. So I think this is quite, uh, this called balances the two, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, the way we've seen her the kind of. Uh, it's the two extremes. Yeah. The two extremes. Um, what did you think? Uh, oh, uh, Trevor, Trevor, how did you, what did you expect? And um, you... I'll, I'll be honest, um, my initial thoughts and coming back to what um, Don was saying about the timeline, um, I was a bit nervous because there's already, already been um, Batman, the Origins series with Gotham, where they purposely uh, make Batman or Bruce Wayne younger and the villains exist before Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. And I felt that was a bit of a mess. And I was wondering if the same problem was going to happen with Bates Motel. But I feel it works because there's a lot more psychological um, disruption in one of the main, in the main character. So the idea of what happened in time, what's the truth and what's the lie, what, what seemed to be real and what's not seemed to be real is, um, I think it's a premise of the, of the series, so it kind you kind of get away with it being in a new timeline. I think what's interesting is the mother being young enough to be, let's say, sexually active, but kind of directing that energy towards the relationship because there's certain things that the mother and son do in terms of the way they embrace each other, which is more couple-like. Uh, for example. The um, when they first go to the motel, when it's the seafarer motel, um, the mother asks um, Norman to get out of the car but close his eyes, and um, she jumps onto the top of the 
car and kind of does a little sideways pose before she asks him to open it. Open it. And it's the sort of thing that you would see a newlywed couple do before they move into a house. So you can kind of get the, you get little um, uh, cookie crumbs of where the relationship has veered off into a strange territory. So I think it's really good. But again, come back to Freddie Highmore. He's a great casting choice. He looks like a young Anthony Perkins. He plays, plays it very well. But Vera Farmiga, I think she's an exceptional actress and she's very good at hitting lots of beats in small scenes. So I, I think it's a very, they, the casting is very well done in the series. Okay, so let's bring in the third member of the Bates family. Um, not a character, a new character invented for the series, uh, Dylan. Um, what your um, and his dad kind of seems to his, his role originally seems to be to kind of throw a light on um, Norman and Norma's relationship because yeah. he obviously, uh, like Trevor just said, realizes it's not that most healthy of um, mother son relationships. So, Dominic, what do you think of Dylan? Yeah, I was surprised that Dylan was in the it for the long haul because when he first pops up, I thought he was going to be in one or two episodes. <laughs> he it seems like it seemed like a one episode or a two episode storyline when he pops up because I wasn't sure what he was adding to the dynamic. Yeah, but um, then he becomes embedded. Um, and it's a weird one because um, I wasn't sure if Dylan diluted the closeness of the relationship between Norman and Norma or made that less realistic. Do you know what? Um, the character played by uh, Max Tierio, I think, um, I think it's all about mirrors and shadows. So I'm not sure if you guys noticed, but um, Bates Motel had... Um, has a as a, a sheriff called Romero and a deputy sheriff called Shelby. And if you really look at the characters' faces, it seems that Dylan, who's the oldest son by a different father to Norma Bates, is almost a carbon copy. Or Shelby's almost a carbon copy of what he would look like if he was 20 years older. And it feels like the sheriff is also an older version of what Andy Perkins would look like. If you actually, um, if you, if anyone's listening to this and you get a chance to uh, watch Bates Motel, uh, you'll find that the actor, who I'm trying to find the name at the moment, is called, um, ooh, uh, um, Anthony Perkins has a lookalike in the series and he goes by the name of Nestor Carbonell. So I get the feeling that the deputy sheriff and sheriff are kind of there to kind of, um, let's say, manage or kind of have some form of authority over Norma Bates, which the, the sons can't quite establish because they're still under her thumb in some kind of way. And I think it's intentional that the sheriffs look like the sons. Um, just, I mean, it's a slight spoiler, but... Uh... Dylan's father is a character in season. Yeah, he's introduced as a character in season two. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, 
So then, so they're the Bates fans. I mean, I think Dylan's Dylan's role is kind of uh, without him. That the the Bates don't really have any allies. You know, he's the they're a weird couple. <laughs> you know, you know, in a weird house. You know, so Dylan because and he's going out and he works in the, well. You know, he's he's going out doing his job in the community. You know, he's kind of he's the normal face of the family. He's the one that can. You know, I'd say I have no ally at all, really, in the town. If if without Dylan, um, yeah, I get that. He's the slight voice of normality in that household. Yeah, the exactly. slight intermediary with the outside world. Yeah, I can and, see and that. He, and and he's able to question their relationship where other characters wouldn't be able to because they're not, you know, in that part of that dynamic. Um, so let's let's let's, let's move on. To, uh, now the other characters. So we have um, we have Emma. Uh, Emma and uh, Bradley. There, um, Emma is she works at the motel, she has cystic fibrosis, and she's got a bit of a crush on Norman. Yeah. Uh, whereas, um, uh, so what did I say? Her name with the other one, uh, Bradley. Emma Decody yeah, is the love interest with cystic fibrosis, and you've got another yeah. character called Bradley Martin, who's like the high school sweetheart, um, played by Nicola Peltz. Played by uh, Brooklyn Beckham's fiance. Oh, I, I wouldn't have known that until. You <laughs> um, Olivia Cook plays the Emma character. How, how do you think? How do you feel about the whole kind of school life um, storyline? The kind of love triangle between the three of them, and well, then it, does, it doesn't really. It's not a love triangle really in the first season. It's just a crush triangle, really. I know I, that. I, um, I don't think I don't think it's a triangle. I think it's more like I almost wanted to, the phrase Bates magnet instead of babe magnet came to my mind because throughout the series, um, I mean Freddie Highmore is an attractive character attractive guy anyway, but the Norman Bates character seems to be just swimming in women in his own condominiums, as uh, Puff Daddy wants it. But it's like there's a lot of it's like the teachers are drawn to him. Um, the the girls in the school were drawn to him, and even there's a slight flirtation with a solicitor when um, the mother gets into a little bit of a situation where she's got to represent herself um, with a defence lawyer. Um, so what I mean, what's interesting is I like the fact that you this we talked about coming to America in another episode, but um, this episode far surpasses anything that should be tested for the Bechdel test because you've literally got women characters being independent, entrepreneurial, um, outside of the spectrum of having to talk about a relationship and actively participating in the plot and making decisions. And I think the two young girls are polar opposites of that because the Emma character even though she's got this um, disability, she's not chained by it. And she's kind of almost an investigative, um, curious character, whereas Bradley's character tends to, you, you start to realise she's a shadow of the Norma Bates character, I think. Uh, uh, Tony, what, what are your uh, thoughts on the school cast? I was relieved that not too much of that played out in the high school because I think that's a really cliched setting in American TV series especially. So I was glad they kept the actual high school to a minimum and 
mostly relegated that to a subplot. I think there would have been a danger of overdoing that, I think. I liked Emma as a character. Um, you can tell she's meant to be a likeable, sensible character. The first time you see her is when Norman is throwing up into a bin in the school and she comes along and says, you know, don't stop too soon just because you're embarrassed. So we know that she's a like sensible, caring, no-nonsense sort of character and in some ways would have the ability to steer Norman onto the right path. So naturally, he's not interested in that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's quite a clever way to introduce that character as well, because um, Bates Motel, even though there's things that happened in the past, it doesn't rely totally on its exposition. It kind of relies on its um, um, how the character has um, developed into who they've become. And I, I think one thing that's interesting about Bates Motel, which we might have glossed over, is the, the town itself is a character because... The previous psychos, you're looking at an evil character hiding in an idyllic lifestyle or an idyllic town. But this is more of the town is corrupt as well. Everyone's in cahoots in the town, really. There's, 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 um, it's the overarching storyline of the first couple of seasons, at least. Well, how did you feel about the whole weed farm storyline and... The, the, its whole connection to the police and everything, and also the sex trafficking um, yeah. that was going on. Well, I get they were trying to make it darker and more mm. up-to-date, because in mm. the original Psycho, obviously, the, like you said, the town is idyllic, and in fact, the sheriff, the townspeople, can't even comprehend what is going on in the motel, because it's so outside of... Yeah their experience or anything they would expect. And it's kind of on the edge of town, isn't it? The, the motel in Psycho. It is on the edge of the town, but it's kind of the tragedy in Psycho that um, Marion could have gone to the town for dinner instead yeah. of having that dinner with Norman Bates. Yeah. That's, that's part of her tragedy in the Psycho film. Um, well, I haven't seen the Ozark um, which is a series on Netflix which relies on the idea that somebody can come in and run corrupt businesses inside of a town uh, through money laundering. I think there's a little... I don't think it's that big of a suspension of disbelief to say um, everybody is doing their small little crime economy. And I think they are at pains in the series to make it clear that the sex trafficking story is separate from the weed farm because it's like two different worlds the weed farm kind of exists in the forests whereas the, the sex trafficking kind of take place directly at the motel so i think geographically it's separate and i feel in the town itself the the, the crime there isn't obvious but you've obviously got a corrupt police department in the town yeah. so it feels like the three crimes that are going on is the corrupt police the sex trafficking and the, the weed farm. So the the Bates family end up coming into it in three different ways because the mother ends up in a relationship with Sheriff. The 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 young the oldest son ends up getting a job um, working protecting the weed farm, and the youngest son ends up exploring the sex trafficking by accident because he 
he finds um, a graphically animated sketchbook. So I thought that was clever. Yeah, the weed farm thing actually reminded me of a non-fiction book I read uh, called Muck Mafia by Misha Glennie, who's a BBC journalist. And that was made into a fictional TV series, which omitted that part of the story, weirdly enough. But in the non-fiction book, Muck Mafia, there's a whole chapter about communities that are very similar to the communities shown in Bates Motel where it's kind of an open secret, there are weed farms. And apparently there are quite a few of them in that part of the world, either side of the border, you know, uh, Northwest USA and Canada, and they rely on isolation, a surplus of electricity, and a lot of collusion between community members. Yeah, I think it's the issue that it's, it's an agricultural thing, where it's like certain businesses aren't going... The, the same way like obviously we, we're probably familiar with steel industry being defunct in the uk but there's probably like timber industries fishing industries and stuff that in america that we don't know about where the town can't survive on and i think even in the series american gods season three they kind of lean into a small town on the edge of town that's protected by a god instead of um, surviving by its natural economy and resources. Uh, Twin Peaks is kind of that sort of odd little town. It's in the same area too, isn't it? Up in the northwest. So I guess that whole weed thing, the, that storyline, it does explain why the town is quite anachronistic. It doesn't seem to have a Starbucks unless I forgot that. It doesn't seem to have any generic stores. It seems to yeah. be like a 1960s town in some ways with a lot of middle-class people but apparently doing blue-collar jobs so the whole weed farm thing does explain that i don't know did you feel that Stephen? i i mean i haven't i, I didn't re-watch season one for this because I, I i remember struggling a bit for it even though i was watching one a week it was still yeah. kind of like it was the last torrent i used to watch but then was you struggling I, with the plausibility of it? Was it was you struggling with the plausibility? No, I suppose it wasn't I mean I, I love Psycho and I was expecting it more to, to be more kind of Norman Bates centric and not and, and I suppose I was just being naive because it's a TV series and they can't just spend it all on Norman. Yeah. But I, I kind of got a bit bored with the weed storyline a bit. I mean the show becomes fantastic. Um that's the thing, and um, I'm glad I stuck with it. But I did find the first couple of seasons a bit of a, a bit of a slog. Um, but so I, yeah, it doesn't work for you. The, the, the weird storyline. Yeah. No, no. Well, no, what I, about the plausibility though? Does does that work? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I have no problem with a town operating like that. Yeah, I can see well, that happening. One one thing I wanted to to ask about. I mean, I've only seen season one, and you've got a bit more experience with it than me. But what do you feel about these characters who are 20 years older, 20 years younger? Because I, I noticed there's two specific characters um, with um, Dylan. Like, it's quite clear to me, or it seems clear to me, that the Shel Detective Shelby is the older version of um, Dylan, who's kind of played out as a, having a relationship with Norma Bates. But then he meets another character called Remo, who's had, he makes a point of saying he's got 23 years more experience in the kind of 
the, the weed gangland game. Yeah. So what do you think about that intentional picking characters who are older and younger versions of themselves? Because I feel like the Bradley character... Wait, I, 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 didn't, I didn't really notice that myself when I, I, say when I, when I watched it. Um, because I felt no. like the Bradley character, she kind of uses her, let's say, sexual relationship or seduction techniques to kind of get what she wants out of um, Norman first and then Dylan. And it feels like she's playing the two off each other almost the same way as the mother has been doing all of it already, but she's kind of a natural. And the mother seems surprised that she's so gifted at doing that at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with the mother and her sons is that she, she hasn't really spent that much time with Dylan. Yeah. She doesn't really know Dylan as well anymore and mm. so that's a different thing so um uh, I, I take it you've both seen psycho yeah, yeah. I've seen psycho, yeah. many times yeah. okay okay uh did you think this was a worthy a worthy um endeavor after watching the first season are you sticking i, I mean at the beginning dominic i think you said you're now in season two um so i guess you're sticking with it you're both sticking I'm, with I'm, it. I'm sticking with it although i I'm not compelled to watch it. I, I, yeah. it's, I'm not binging it. I'm sticking yeah. with it, but I'm not. Oh my god! I've got to see the next one. Yeah. <laughs> um, Do you know what? For me, I, I, I tried to watch on Amazon, and I, I wasn't sure if I could continue because it's behind a paywall. But now it's on BBC iPlayer. But the, um, I, I think the. Do you know what? Do you know what excited me about it is how dangerous <coughs> the story gets. Um, it's very well edited considering the reactions that have to be done between the mother yeah, and the son. Give a shout out to, to how it's the, the, the um, mise-en-scene. And the, the, yeah. Um, the, but the yeah I would say one thing about that is they kind of, despite the fact it's set in the house, they kind yeah. of ration the things that remind you of the film Psycho. Yeah, yeah. So like they, they very deliberately like only have one or two camera angles a yeah, season yeah. that directly copy from Psycho. Yeah, and yeah. even like when they're going up the stairs, you'll get a high angle shot, but it's not the high angle shot that everyone yeah. remembers yeah. from Psycho. Well, actually, it's interesting. Most of the time they go back to the stairs, it's usually one of the family characters has to rush to meet somebody at the door or somebody's advanced up the stairs to attack one of the family characters. But there was um, a very dangerous question which I think it was handled very well in the story. Um, I think in episode one or episode two, um, without trying to give it a spoiler, um, the the mother gets sexually assaulted. And um, afterwards, in the aftermath, when um, the mother and the son get a chance to talk, I think it's like in season six or seven, um, there's a piece of evidence that's kept behind, which is the tool belt. And the mother asks something like, um, it's, it's like the son, she's asking the son, why did you keep the tall girl? And the son says something like, well, you know what I'm like, I like to keep mementos. And then the mother says something like, or Norma says something like, you keep mementos of things, memories that you want to relive, things that you like. I was sexually assaulted. Why do you want to keep a memento of that? And then there's a, like a short, uncomfortable silence where he doesn't quite answer straight away before he says sorry and he, he's, his eyes go off into the distance and I think 
it's little things like that which is help build the character and create the the tension, which I know is going to be there. Like a, I, I don't want to say it in the same context, but like in X Files, um, Mulder and Scully, the sexual tension there kind of propelled the story. And I think when the romance happened, it killed it. And here, there's a sexual tension for a different reason, but it's kind of character building or character development, and it's creating the, the sinister tone that Bates Motel needs to kind of maintain this kind of thriller um, genre tone, if you know what I'm saying, without yeah. treading on the toes of the original material. Because I never knew it was a book, but I, I was a big fan of the feature film. I think the, the show's strength is also its weakness, which is it's designed to be several seasons long. So it has to kind yeah, of move yeah. at a glacial pace. And they do do a good job of like dropping the little increments in there. One or two things like at one point, I think it's at the end of season one, someone says the line 12 cabins, 12 vacancies, which is the first time there's a direct quote from the Psycho film. Mm. It's like one a season. <laughs> well, as it builds up, we kind of, the story, the timeline of, of the series builds up to the events of Psycho. Yeah, so that's kind of that is yeah. um, where we have. I mean, this is a not too much of a spoiler, but we have Rihanna playing Marion Crane. Oh wow, she's actually going to appear in it. I wonder if she's going to sing. But, um, but I wanted to say one thing as well. Um, and again, this is about being a season one noob. Um, is Norman Bates' kill count is remarkably low. That's all I'm going to say for for now about season one. And I think it's done in a very clever way because you get to see a lot of the world that's falling apart around him and in the world that is rebuilding in his mind as well because we do see him in a kind of voodoo state of imagining things that didn't actually happen as well which is good hmm. and we have an explanation of how he gets into taxidermy as well which is nice because it's done with a well-meaning mentor and not a sinister person hmm. So it just goes to show how that all goes a bit wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. So that's been Bates Motel. Um, thank you, Dominic, for joining me to chat this over. Well, thank you. No problem. Uh, Trevor, nice to see you as well. Uh, nice to see you. And uh, one thing I wanted to just drop in is like, as a season one noob, I'm going to w- watch more of the series. It's. Um, it's very interesting, even though it probably makes me feel a little bit unclean at the end of each episode. <laughs> but thanks for having me. All right, then. Uh, that was Geekset. You can find us on different platforms. And I'll see you next time. That's all for Geekset. Goodbye. <laughs>